It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks and this is The Leader. For the first time since 1984, polio has been found to be spreading in the UK. The virus was detected at Beckton Sewage Works in London back in February, then again in April and again more recently. The samples were found to be genetically similar, so it's thought a family or extended family is involved. As a result, Londoners have been urged to make sure that babies and children are fully vaccinated against polio. It's a rare, disabling and life-threatening disease caused by the polio virus. Jane Clegg, chief nurse for the NHS in London, said that the majority of Londoners are fully protected against it and won't need to take any further action. But the health service will reach out to parents of children under five who aren't up to date with their polio vaccinations. So what does this latest virus outbreak mean for London and the wider country? And should we be worried about community spread? Dr. Mike Skinner, a virology expert from Imperial College London, joins me now. So, Mike, first of all, what can you tell us about the polio virus? Polio is quite a different virus to COVID-19. Antigenically, it's very stable. And by antigenically, I mean the virus's ability to generate variants that can resist antibodies that, that we've made in response to vaccines. So there are actually three types of poliovirus, one, two and three, but each of those types are very stable. They haven't changed antigenically, so the, the vaccines have worked against them since they were derived back in the 1950s. And those vaccines have led to virtual eradication of all three viruses globally. In the UK, we've had, uh, they were certified eradicated from the UK back in early 2000s. Globally, uh, we just have really a problem with poliovirus type 1. That's the only wild poliovirus that's still present. And, and actually, it's just a handful of cases. Currently in Afghanistan, it seems to have been eradicated now from Pakistan, where uh, there, there are also previously some cases left. But of the two types of vaccines that, that use, there's, there's a live polio vaccine, which elder listeners will remember getting on a sugar lump. And then there's a, a killed vaccine. And it was the sugar lump vaccine, if you like, that actually helped us eradicate the virus from the world because that, that actually stops the virus circulating. The killed vaccine is good at protecting you from getting the virus 
or rather stopping you have disease from the virus. So the UK, after eradication, went over to just using the killed virus. But we were aware that there were viruses elsewhere in the world, so the clinicians have been on the lookout for it, and they set up this programme of screening for the presence of the genome of the virus in sewage to give a first indication that we might whether we had any live polio virus in the country. And what do we know about the current polio situation in London? They detected it for a few months from uh, from February, and they've seen some slight genetic change in it. That, that that's not suggesting that it would resist uh, antibody, just that it, we would normally expect a few changes to occur. And it indicates that the virus is replicating. It's assumed it's probably come in from a country where they are still vaccinating using the live polio vaccine against type 2. Because we know that that is a very effective vaccine, a frequency of about one in a million vaccinees, it will revert such that it can actually spread. And, and it generates something called vaccine-derived poliovirus type 2. And we assume that somebody has, has uh, travelled to one of the regions where they're still using the live vaccine, that they've either been vaccinated abroad or have picked up a vaccine derivative from somebody else, that brought it back into this country, and they've been shedding it and possibly infected somebody else. Although we know of cases where people who have got immunosuppression have been infected with a a poliovirus and actually have shed it for a surprising number of years. So it could be that there's been a little bit of ongoing transmission, or it could just be that somebody who's immunosuppressed has picked it up. WHO wouldn't define this as ongoing circulation of the vaccine-derived virus yet. It hasn't met those criteria. But it's meant that the local health authorities have looked at vaccination uptake figures uh, in that part of, of, of London. And they're down at about 86%. It, it's part of a combined vaccine. And th- they really would like that up at about 95% to stop even the remote possibility that the person who's brought it into the country or one of their contacts might pass it on into the wider community. So is further community spread likely to happen? And can the virus spread via hosts, for example, who have already been vaccinated against it? Poliovirus is, is an enterovirus and it can spread by the sort of faecal oral and even by not quite respiratory, but through close contact as well. So, yes, it can spread, but, but it's interesting. The authorities detected the genome of this virus in basically a large sewage works. And what they're doing is working their way up the chain, um, the, the, the various chains that feed into that sewage work. So they can actually localise a community, a much smaller community, where the virus might be present. And they can have an enhanced immunisation campaign, I, I guess, in that area. So the vaccine virus is not the wild type virus. It, 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 I don't think it spreads as effectively as the wild virus. So any transmission, one would assume, would be limited. But we're so close to eradication of polio, we really don't want to let the the cat out of the bag here, not just in the UK, but generally globally. So WHO is very keen that national authorities get on top of these viruses because there's strong pressure for the whole globe now to move over to a killed vaccine for poliovirus type 2, which will actually stop the, the, the generation of these viruses. 
And I understand vaccinations against polio are so important because of how seriously ill it can make people. How does the disease affect those who get it? We're all aware these days that some viruses like corona, but also polio, would infect a, a, a massive numbers in the population. They, they, we had huge spikes in the US and, and in Europe back in the 50s. And whole populations of young children would be, in, uh, would be infected. But about one in a hundred of them would get a more serious disease and one in 10 or so of those would go on to get paralytic poliomyelitis. And that would affect their breathing muscles. So this is where we saw those pictures of the tens, hundreds of iron lungs in some medical facilities, particularly in the US, supporting the breathing of those children who, who had that until they uh, recovered some use of their breathing muscles or in some cases either died or had to remain in those facilities until they got a more modern breathing support machines. But some people were left with a long-term paralysis, so-called flaccid paralysis. It's, it's fairly characteristic the way it affects your, your leg and old people will remember seeing people walking around obviously having had polio in childhood. So it's, it's a killer, it's a crippler. It was highly feared amongst parents in the 50s that their children would get this and suffer lifelong consequences. Let's take a break now. Stay there for part two, though. Dr Mike Skinner will tell us how worried we should be about polio and also discusses some of the environmental concerns about this outbreak. Ideally, we don't want sewage getting into our waterways. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. So, Mike, how much should people be worried about this sort of return of polio? The UK HSA says they, they pick up one to three such indications that this virus has, has come back into the UK. They've been sporadic detections and they haven't seen it any anymore. In this case, it's gone on for two or three months. So they're concerned. They, As far as we know, you know, they have had no cases reported yet. But the indication is that there might be a small number of cases in the community. We should be concerned enough to respond positively to request invitations to come and get vaccinated if we haven't been vaccinated. The vaccine um, works effectively. So if you had childhood vaccinations, if your children have had vaccinations in recent years, they will be fine. But if you haven't been vaccinated, or if the, the authorities are asking you to come along and, and, uh, and, and should they ask for you to come along to do a boost, then, then I think we should be concerned enough to respond positively to those invitations. And some people and campaign groups have raised environmental concerns about this. What is the risk of the virus actually spreading through our waterways? I think it's, it's pretty limited. I mean, we do know that people can pick up enteroviruses from sewage contaminated water so there are low level risks and particularly the amount of amount of this virus in the waterways 
is is uh, in the wastewater is is extremely low. I mean, these detection techniques are extremely sensitive, and we're talking about just one or two people possibly shedding it into the water. I don't think we're even quite at the level where when there's a big outbreak of another mild diarrheal disease in the community and that gets into the waterways and possibly even out on, onto our beaches, then there is a risk of getting infected. I think the, the polio at the moment, the amounts that we're talking about, it's way lower than that. But, but ideally, you know, we don't want sewage getting into our waterways. That's all from The Leader. There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.